Oh, I'm doing well. Okay, you'll comment on what I'm wearing at the end. Great. What story are we doing today? Yes! I'm just kidding. I already knew when. Okay. Amazing. I'm the girl for the job. Call back later. Today, we are hopping into Exodus, starting with the story of Moses, part uno. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. And today, our girl Wheezy is actually not in the building, but we have someone even more special, WTF Media's very own. I hate this because I have to switch to my own camera. You do? My name's Eden. Hi. Hi, Eden. Introduce yes. yourself to the listeners. What's up, everybody? I'm Eden. I'm a producer engineer here at WTF Media Studios, and I'm amazing. Yes. Yeah, wow. That's right. You really are. You you engineer for some of the biggest podcasts. Name them. Uh, Brilliant Idiots. Major. Uh, well, hear me out with Wayno. Major. Say less with Kaz. Major. And here I am with Bible with Bree. Yes, you don't forget horrible decisions and as horrible well. decisions. How can I, I forget that? That's literally. I love the them too, and Mandy especially, and Wheezy. Yeah. Yes. So it's going to be a fun one. And also, who knows what could arise from having a man in the studio? A Catholic man. A, are you Catholic? Yes. Practicing? No. Okay. Well, here yeah. we are. I have a tattoo with uh, Guadalupe on it. Oh, my God. What a hypocrite. I know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let's dive into some questions. Yes. Yay! Um, I, the listeners really liked the questions from last week. Okay. Um, I guess while you fish for the questions, I'll address what I'm wearing. So if you're watching the YouTube, I um, I look a little different. Listen, to be honest with you, I would wear this out in the streets of Brooklyn because that's just who I is. Okay. Um, but the 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 inspiration for this outfit was is Beetlejuice, sort of, but only because my favorite podcaster Trisha Paytas uh, and Ethan Klein from the Frenemy podcast just had a Beetlejuice themed episode Ooh. and honestly it's not even about Beetlejuice for me I'm just such a fan of Trisha Paytas and this is like my I don't know my like happy birthday girl <laughs> you inspire me I love you so much you're problematic as hell but I pray <laughs> for you and I'm so happy that you are married <gasps> oh. oh my god she's marrying a man named Moses perfect I'm not even kidding you oh my gosh wow the signs are all there Oh my gosh, I did not plan that. That's so weird, dude. And wait, okay, no one really cares about this, and I may cut this out, but she's marrying a guy named Moses who is from, is an, is an Israeli Jew, okay. and not only that, he is like a water connoisseur. Like, he studies water, he photographs like water in a really special way, like, he, he like... Had, there's a patent out. He like um, he was he's photo the way he photographed water ten years ago was like groundbreaking. Right. And guess what Moses means? Water pulled from water. Ooh. Okay, wait, hold on. There's a whole bunch of stuff happening that's like super weird. Okay, hold on. Wait, I got I got okay. another moment. Did you know? I was doing research. We're gonna get to questions in a minute, but you know how the way my ADD works. Last night, I was doing research for this episode or whatever, and of course, I ended up on TikTok because I was being distracted. Perfect. Oh, God, the enemy will get you. Mm. Anywho, I scrolled past, uh, you know, um, do you know Mike Tyson's podcast? The yes. one that's shot in gray. Hot boxing? Yes, hot yes. boxing, yep. I, something passed by my For You page on TikTok, and I knew I needed to get back to work on Exodus, on this, the, the story that we're going to be doing today. Yeah. And... 
I was like, okay, this is the last TikTok I'm going to watch. Come on, this is the last one I'm going to watch. It's never the last one. Well, well, it was, and you want to know why? Why? I scrolled past a TikTok of Mike Tyson telling, oh, it was this, I forget what his guest's name was, talking to him about the story of his daughter dying in 2009. Okay. Do you know about this? No, I don't. Mike Tyson's daughter died in 2009. Whoa. A freak accident on a treadmill. She was only like four years old. She died from the cords um, uh, on the on the treadmill. It wasn't on or anything. Weird. So of course I go, okay, that was my last TikTok. But before I do that, before I dive into back into homework, let me just Google real quick. Like I wanted to know more information. Right. I go to look up what happened. The daughter's name was Exodus. Whoa. Stuff like that happens to me all the time, dude. It's just it's just all around you. It's all around all of us. All around it's like us. God, right. yes. I don't know. These are like signs, which by the way, in this, in this episode, I mean, this is the story of Moses part one, mm -hmm. but in the story of Moses part two, we'll get into signs from God. Ooh. And, uh, I don't know. I've been, I've just been seeing and feeling them all around me, especially when I'm in a state of distraction or like depression. I just want to say real quick, it's really funny to see you right now because nine times out of 10, when I'm scrolling through TikTok and I follow you, your feed, your stuff does come up all the time. Yes. Yeah. I know, dude. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I just want everyone to like get to listen to the word and get to listen to this fun way that we're telling this like story, yeah. like the Bible stories. It's never told this way. I think it's really fun. I think it's exciting. I think it's what the people need right now. I mean, Christians are going to, uh, I mean, evangelical Christians may have their hangups on the show and I respect them, <laughs> but mm. I think I've been receiving so many amazing, uh, DMS and messages and comments about people saying that they're reading along and listen, this is another disclaimer. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm not a theologian. Okay. I'm a regular person. You're a TikToker. I'm well. a, yeah, exactly. I'm a clown on the internet. I'm a TikToker. I'm, I'm on YouTube now. No, but it's true. I feel like these disclaimers are important. Like until I go to seminary school or something, I'm not going to act like I'm this like higher than thou, like professional it, expert. Cause I'm not, I'm a regular person who enjoys reading the Bible. And if what I do inspires you to put your eyes to the text. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, what more could I possibly want? The people need this as much as people need you to answer some questions that they have for you. Hey now, Look great that, transition. Right? I know. That being said, I don't know if you want me to read the username for this first one. Is that okay? Uh, sure. Fine. Yeah. April XOX. Hey, April. Asks you, what do you mean when you say you're a quote unquote psychedelic Christian? Aha. Uh -huh. Yes, <laughs> I understand how that would cause confusion and I should probably provide more context. So for those who don't know my testimony story, I heard my calling, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, my first encounter with God was during an acid trip. And I don't want to glamorize the use of drugs in order to freaking acquire uh you know, God's presence, you don't need it. And to be quite honest, I haven't done a psychedelic in a really long time. Um, it's probably why I'm so depressed right now, but anyways, Ugh. um, <laughs> but I'll say, I, I like to use it psychedelic Christian because a branding, I think it sounds really cool, it sounds great, yeah. but B I am not a conventional Christian and I can't pretend to be, I was in the world, deep in the world for many years. I was an atheist for 20, 
almost 25 years. Damn. And by atheist, I mean like not just agnostic, like no, I was reading the text so that I could argue against it. I was like an atheist activist. I mean that. Like I would try and try and try and hear it, what Christians were telling me, Catholics would fight with me and whatever. And I would deny, deny, negate, negate, refute, refute, debate, debate. Uh, so when I picked up the Bible, I had a Bible obviously, cause I would read it even as an atheist mm -hmm. during this acid trip, it was just different. It was different. I was reading the book of John, uh, on acid and it was, uh, chapter five is what I read. And I just hearing, seeing, hearing, reading about, I keep saying seeing and hearing because for the first time in reading the Bible, I felt I experienced it in a different way. Okay. It was outside of just a textual thing. Like I could literally feel, I was experienced the book the way you're supposed to be mm -hmm. intended to be experienced. Um, and yeah, that's why I call myself a psychedelic Christian because I am not, my story, my testimony does not look like everyone else's and the reason why I act the way I am, I am the way I am, is because of my past. And I'm not ashamed of it because I feel like I've, I don't know, I've I've been washed of any kind of shame and guilt I feel through Christ Jesus. And he loves me with my past, you know, flaws and all. How about this question? Ready? Yes. From Batty Complex. I'm curious about this. Yeah. I think you know which one this is, is the funny part. Oh. Is God an asshole? Oh my gosh, blaspheme. No. Uh, I hate that question. Oh gosh, it makes me feel icky. No. I don't think it should. I, I think it should. No, it should. It does make me, you want to know why? Why? Because I have reverence for our father. And I, I fear that because I am so playful and lighthearted, yeah. it it feels like I open the grounds for people to ask me questions like that. I had to block so many people because I put oh. the second I posted that I started receiving stuff like that. And I, I guess this one slipped through the cracks, but I, th I think that this is the downside from being a psychedelic Christian is that sometimes it can be misleading and people think that I don't have deep reverence for our father. And they think that I speak like this or like, I would never even entertain that question. Like, am I like, it's almost like they want you to say of that. Of course he is. they do. Yeah. Would I call my, like, is your, is your mom or dad an asshole? Right. Is your mom an asshole? But times a hundred, right? Because God is so much more than just a, a biological parent, you know. So I'm not even gonna even like get out of here, get out of town. We dad, I'm not gonna pronounce this properly. We dad said, uh, "Are you planning on doing the whole Bible or just the Old Testament?" Oh, the whole Bible. I, of course, the whole Bible. In fact. I got to tell you guys, I've been doing a lot of research, especially for the Old Testament, because I'm more of a New Testament girl. Like I said, I was I found my calling through reading, you know, a, a, a part of the New Testament. So like going back into the Old Testament was was uh, homework for me. Great, because I think we should all know about the history of the Bible. But no, the short answer is we're doing the whole thing. We may even dive into other books. Mm. Like I want to read the Quran. I'm a, very fascinated by Islam and other world religions. Yeah. So no, I see this podcast taking off and and lasting for a really long time and we need the content. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, last two questions. This one's from Lex in the City Photography. Is once saved, always saved? Say that again. Is once saved, always saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess this is a good time to talk about what like saved is, what being saved is. I know that um if you're a non-believer and you hear that, that may push you away 
from God because it implies that those that are non-believers are not that are they're um the opposite of what's saved like you know what I'm saying and and even though the words the actual words may uh uh make you feel that way the energy behind it is not to otherize you yeah when you hear a christian say i've been saved like i've been washed of my sins through the through the blood of christ jesus when you hear a christian say that that is basically us surrendering ourselves our flaws our sins our past to god through christ um and we're going to i mean i'm going to need way more time to to expound on this the way it should you know what i'm saying hmm. but to answer that person's question once saved always saved for sure and then i argue that if you know you hear a lot of christians deconstructing and these are people who were raised in the church the opposite of me they were raised in the church heavy in the faith and then leave that's called the de deconstruction mm -hmm. if they find if they find themselves parting their way from christ i argue to say that they never had that relationship in the first place because once you're saved you really are always saved and that's not to say you can't come back or you can't i i, I when when deconstructing christians e uh, email me or message me i always like to say can we use reconstruct instead or something just to leave the door open you know what i mean yeah in this in the case of my mother she she grew up seventh day adventist had terrible things happen to her in the church, which a lot of people share that experience. And she left the church for over two decades and just recently came back during the pandemic. So that's another case of someone who reconstructed her faith. Her faith. Mm -hmm. So yes, in my opinion, and I believe this to be true, once you're saved, you are saved for an eternity. You know? Once saved, always saved. And yeah. we saved the best question for last. Okay. Ready? This is a long one, but yes. we're going to get through it. Ready? I had a question, but it's so long for the question box in your story. Ha ha ha. Anyways, I've been with my boyfriend for over five years. I'm at a place where I'm trying to get closer to God and grow my faith. His family is very religious, but he's not super, quote unquote, into it. In parentheses, in parentheses she says, he identifies as Christian, but uh, but does not live as such in my opinion. I've asked him about going to church, reading the Bible, etc., and he agrees to it, but is very nonchalant about his response. Anyways, advice on being with a partner who is lackadaisical. Oh, I'm, I'm lackadaisical. Lackadaisical. There you go. About this. <laughs> when I'm trying to grow my faith, live in faith. And she said, sorry if I rambled or if that didn't make sense. Thank you. That made total sense. You are both unequally yoked. So the text says, uh, this is from the uh, New Testament, that term like unequally yoked, meaning that you are with a, a, an intimate partner that is not in the same, um, doesn't, ha doesn't share the same relationship to God as you do. Mm. Or they may be, we all have different walks with life, um, with God rather. And we're all at different paces. We're walking at different paces. We're at different stages, different maturity level. Like me, I'm a babe in the faith, I would say. And I gravely rely on my elders in Christ, my Christian pastor, my counselors. Like I, I rely on them heavy. And what they tell me about uh, being with people that are unequally yoked is the best we can do is honestly pray for them and pray with them. Not in a way like, I pity them. I pity you, so I'm going to pray for you. No, when a Christian says they're going to pray for you, 
that is them saying you mean so much to me and I care about you. And I would like to ask our father to strengthen your relationship with him or to develop a relationship with him, to remove challenges and to remove distractions from your way so that you can perhaps uh, embark in this new uh, chapter of your life with God through Christ, in my opinion. You know, I'm a Christian. I can only speak from my Christian. This is my show, right? Yeah. Um, so you, and you have to do it responsibly too, right? Because our job as, you know, followers of Christ is, you know, to act like disciples. And the last thing we want is to irresponsibly grows, get someone to grow further away. So honestly, you got to go to him, to him, like asking God, like for guidance and for clarity on how you can get your partner to perhaps, um, um, open themselves up to the, maybe like to going to church once a week or to watching a sermon with you. First of all, if he's in a relationship with you, Okay, just that alone. He has to respect the things that you respect and do. And like, and like vice versa, right? So just off that alone, he would not be a supportive partner if he said no to like praying before a meal or something. You know what I mean? What and if he it, does everything but go to church? Uh, hey, you have to respect that. If that's what you want, right? If that relationship is worth the work. You know what I mean? Like for me, I, that would be unacceptable for me. And that's a boundary for me. Okay, like yeah. for me, it's important. That's, that's important because of the family that I want to raise. So, uh, uh, but it depends on what your boundaries are and where you are in your walk with God. But I mean, first things first is pray and pray with him. Right. Cause the only thing we can do, we can't provide them for proof. We can't provide them with proof of God's existence in God's sovereignty. We can provide them with evidence. Evidence is different. And if they ask you, like, let's just say they ask about something, make sure that we're on our P's and Q's. I don't even know if that's an expression, you know, English is my second language, but like we have to read the text, make sure that you're taking responsibility for yourself. Right. Cause that's the only thing we have control over. If others are inspired by the way we move, if we are who we say we are, like both in public and private, and they are then inspired, that's, now we're kicking with gas, right? That's all we can do and, hold, and pray, you know? That's how I've been doing. And I know, I was an atheist for a very long time. I was just an atheist. So it's like, the further away I get from my atheistic life, the more I'm like, wait, let me retain some of the things that I remember were turning me off from Christians. I feel like you were almost watering a plant within yourself without knowing. For sure. Because you said 25 years, but you were still like reading into the literature and everything like that. And I feel yeah. Like well, I always say like I hoodwinked myself, like Jesus yeah. hoodwinked me. Like <laughs> he like played me for real. But regardless, even if someone had never picked up a, a, a biblical text or something, right. like you, you got to be, for me, things that would dissuade me were when people would encroach on me or like um, push things down my throat that I did not understand yet. Like, so just be as open and compassionate as possible. That's how Jesus would have been to lead by example, lead by what you do. And I could go on. There's another story of, but I don't want to waste. We have to get to the story, but like, I can't wait to like get the Patreon running because on the Patreon, I'll be able to like really dive deep and hopefully we'll be able to do like maybe one-on-ones. Bonus like, Brie. Yeah. Bonus Brie baby. And we can get to like, there's more I want to say on this, but that's where I'll leave it for the sake of time. And thanks for the questions. 
Thanks for the questions, guys. So now, we are going to dive in to the story of Moses, part one, as found in the book of Exodus. And on today's episode, specifically, we're going to tackle uh, scripture from chapter one, two, three, and part of four from the book of Exodus. Now, let's recap a little bit from the last episode where we finished Genesis. As we know, Genesis means the beginning, right? Exodus means uh, going out from, like leaving, exiting. And uh, Exodus was written by a man named Moses, a very famous prophet who historians believe wrote Genesis and also the book that comes after Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So in total, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They say the author was Moses. And Moses is super significant and is a very significant Hebrew character in the Old Testament because he was the hero that delivered the Israelites out of captivity, out of slavery in Egypt towards the Holy Land Thus, uh, executing, or at least beginning of executing, the promise that God had made, the covenant that God had made with Abraham from Genesis. Remember Genesis chapter 15, when God tells Abraham, hey, you will spend a lot of time, four generations to be exact, in a really uncomfortable uh, uh, moment in a foreign land, but trust me, it's all going to be worth it in the end. He said that to Abraham, and that was years before the time of Moses, because much like many things in the Old Testament, there are prophesying, prophecies prophesying because the all-knowing God knows and keeps his promises always, okay? So let's come back into Egypt. So right now we left off. Joseph has died in Egypt as well, and he, his bones are buried in Egypt, but now the time of Moses happens actually 300 some odd years after Joseph dies. And guess what? The new Pharaoh in this Egypt is not the same Pharaoh that hooked Joseph and his family up, okay? This Pharaoh was the complete opposite. This Pharaoh forgot all about the things that Joseph did for, the, for Egypt, saving them out of famine, You know what I'm saying? This Pharaoh has absolutely no idea. If anything, this Pharaoh saw all the Hebrews in Egypt multiplying and multiplying at a very fast rate and was threatened by it. He feared it like, listen, like a true racist would. I mean, what what makes a racist a racist? Fear. Hey, now, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The reason like the, the at the root of like racism is a fear of the other person mm. of the, uh, you know, uh, of a marginalized group. Right. Uh, and also like preservation. They feel like they need to preserve a more pure line. Ugh, it's so heartbreaking. And so this new Pharaoh, because of these like hypothetical scenarios, dreams that he would have about Hebrews taking over or like joining the enemy and taking over Egypt, guess what this new Pharaoh did? He commanded his people 
to enslave and abuse the Hebrews, the mm. Israelites in Egypt mm. in heinous and terrible ways. He even got, uh, um, whatchamacallit, he made like this, this law, this rule where the, the men, the babies, the male babies being born to Hebrews to be killed. <laughs> huh? Is your response? No, it's more like, I'm just, yeah. Mm. It's so sick. So this can be, this is evident in scripture. Let's go to scripture. Exodus chapter one, verse seven. But the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. And that's why the Pharaoh wanted to downsize on the Hebrews. You know what I'm saying? How heartbreaking. Back to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh made a new law where the midwives had to kill all the, all the male-borns. You know what I'm saying? But these midwives, because they feared God more than they believed in this Pharaoh, this fake God, they didn't do that. So then the Pharaoh hears word that the midwives are not killing the babies. And they say, you know what? Throw them in the Nile. Throw the babies. Throw all of them in the Nile, actually. I changed my mind. Oh. How sad. And now we tell the story of a Levite woman who, uh, and a Levite man who gave birth to this very beautiful special son. And in the text, they specify that the baby was beautiful and- uh, How beautiful? Like beautiful. And I think it's because these Hebrews understood the- the the and they were from the direct line of Abraham. When when I say Levite, you know Levite comes from the word Levi, the name Levi. Mm. Levi was one of Jacob's sons. And a pair of jeans. Yes, Eden, that too. Yes. Oh my God, Levi jeans. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, you're cute. I get it. <laughs> um, he had the je- He had literally holy jeans. So w- when we say like the Levi, one of the sons of Jacob. This means that they came from the tribe of Levi. Jesus, just fun fact, Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Just in, just a little, I think we talked about this in the last episode. But anywho, so these Levites, this couple gives birth to, they actually have three kids and the last one was Moses. And because of this baby's beauty and this, this baby's specialness, the mother held on to this baby for three months Three months hiding this male baby from Egypt and from the Egyptian officials. But what happens with babies when they get older and stuff? As they get older, they're loud. You know what I'm saying? They cry, they wail. So the mother had to come up with a new plan. And so she makes a bassinet for this baby made out of uh, papyrus and tar. The tar makes the basket almost waterproof. And she places this baby in the basket and puts it in the Nile. Now, I said that she had multiple kids. Moses' sister sees the basket go to the Nile and she watches, watches as it floats off into the distance to see where it would end up. And boy, oh boy, if you thought last episode was like a telenovela, grab some snacks, guys, because this story gets good. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) So... The sister, Moses' sister, sees that from a distance, like someone picks up the basket. That someone was none none other than the Pharaoh's daughter. 
So the Pharaoh's daughter, the Pharaoh of Egypt, tells one of her slaves, hey, pick up that basket. What's in there? It's the baby's crying. She hear a baby in the basket. And that's why they pick it up. And they know it's a Hebrew baby. You know what I'm saying? And of course, I mean, we, it doesn't say exactly why, but you can assume that the baby was circumcised and they see that. So they're like, okay, this is obviously a Hebrew baby in here. The Pharaoh's daughter, you know, there's some compassion in her heart. And she goes, oh, we must keep this baby. And because the sister, remember Moses' sister sees the, ba the, the basket off in the distance or whatever, the, she, she goes to where Pharaoh's daughter is further along in the land and says, oh, wow, you found a baby. Uh, let me know if you need help. I actually, you should probably get someone to feed that baby. And the Pharaoh's daughter goes, oh yeah, you're right. I'll pay you if you find me a Hebrew mother to, to help feed it. And the sister, Ed, and the sister goes, yeah, uh, I got just the right mother just gave birth a couple months ago. You mind if I bring the baby to her? Pharaoh's daughter goes, yeah, go ahead. You guys, because this is the way God works. If God protects you, God protects you with the armor of the father. So the sister, she doesn't, the Pharaoh's daughter doesn't know that that baby is that woman's brother, little brother. Right. She takes it to the mother, Moses's mother, mm. to feed so here we're provided with evidence that shows us that even though this new baby is being adopted by an Egyptian family, mm -hmm. that mother still was raising and providing nutrients, both physical and spiritual, to baby Moses. However, what I will say is we'll start referring to the baby as Moses now. Mm. Uh, the Pharaoh's daughter is the person who named Moses, like we were saying in our Trisha Paytas uh, uh, conversation. Moses means pulled from water. And that's why Pharaoh's daughter names baby Moses, Moses. Um, I don't know if this matters to you. What? But apparently, thanks to the Wikipedia and the finding of Moses, uh, the Hebrew word usually translated as basket in verse, in verse three could also mean ark or small boat. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's really, that's, I heard um, this, the, this sermon the other day where they were describing it as a little ark, like a little boat. Yeah. Call back to Noah's, uh, Noah's ark. Mm -hmm. Noah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. That's cute. Mm -hmm. And so because the story of Moses part one involves the first 40 years of Moses, a few more years pass by. Moses is no longer a baby. He is now a grown man, right? And this story is all about right before he flees Egypt. The first time, LOL. So Moses is a little bit older and he sees two people fighting from the distance. He sees uh, an Egyptian man beating up a Hebrew man. And because we know Moses even though he's been raised in the Egyptian ways, even though he was adopted into the Pharaoh's daughter's life, even though Moses was rich and fed with a golden spoon because of obviously uh, uh, being adopted by the Pharaoh's family, you can tell that if he sees injustice and violence towards his people, something inside him is triggered. And guess what happens when Moses sees the Egyptian person beating up the Hebrew person? He steps on in 
breaks it up and kills the Egyptian. That's right. Moses is a murderer. And we're just getting into the book. (laughs) (laughs) So he kills the Egyptian. And guess what? He buries him in the sand. So Moses ends up murdering an Egyptian and burying him. Right? Whoa. whoa. I know. Crazy. So now we're at the next day. And then Moses sees two more people fighting. Only now there are two Hebrew men fighting. Now let's dive into some scripture. And hopefully it's the right one. Jeez Louise. Scripture from Exodus chapter 2 verse 13. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Mm. Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Oh my goodness. So Moses begins to freak out. If that person made that sly comment to him, that must mean that others know. And guess what? It's true. Others do know. The Pharaoh finds out that Moses killed an Egyptian. And that is it. The, the Pharaoh sends, up, sends a bunch of people off to go kill Moses for doing this, for doing this criminal act. And then Moses flees. He flees away and he flees to the wilderness, past the wilderness, to a land called uh, Midian, modern day Saudi Arabia, which I just found out in my research. I know, right? Kind of cool, right? So anywho, right now, Moses is in the middle of nowhere. He goes from basically riches to rags seriously like he has absolutely nothing he's rugged now he has nothing he's dirty (laughs) and this leads him his on his voyage away fleeing leads him to you guessed it a well a well where there's a woman because you know in the bible the bible with their wells and uh he meets a, a priest in midian as well and he ends up marrying one of the daughters that was by the well zipporah zipporah and they have two kids together, uh, Gershom and another kid that I don't remember. But again, this is Bible stories with Brianda. Whoa. I'm not a pastor. Go look it up yourselves. <laughs> Anywho, um, let, this is a perfect time to break down this period in Moses's life. Okay. Because he meets Zipporah and marries her at the age of 40. He basically has lived two lives in one so far. He went from abundance and opulence in Egypt to now being in Midian and being a shepherd, a shepherd to a flock, to a shepherd, like working the land. And I like to think that this is intentional because what does a shepherd do? A shepherd... Obviously, they handle sheep. They do that jazz. But a lot of the work is done alone. And you have to be in deep thought and deep meditation while doing this work. Okay? So put a pin in that. When I was writing that, I was like, what am I going to say there? What do you mean? Like... There's a shepherd, there's sheep. Yeah. One person particularly made for a whole, not flock, a herd mm-hmm. to be followed. Yeah. Like you said, it's not easy. You have to be a real 
you have to thought. be really focused and whatever. But what I'm saying is, or well, the thing that makes me think, and I think that this is a good time for like the listeners to also stop and think a little bit, yeah, is how or why this could be useful to him. A like, shepherd, particularly. No, just to be in severe isolation. Mm. Like, like for example, the pandemic, dude. During this pandemic, a lot of people were remained indoors for a good chunk of the year. Mm-hmm. And they had to do a lot of self-reflection and a lot of thinking. We all had so much more time, time in our hands. Everyone was working from home and stuff. And like, if ever a moment to kind of empathize with what Moses is experiencing now, think about what you were experiencing during the pandemic. Like how shocking that was. And if you want to become closer to God, closer to something, anything bigger than yourself, no matter how people spin it, no matter how many prayer circles, which circles, whatever, wherever you come from, whatever walk of life you come from, the bulk of that comes alone. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why we are born alone and unless you're a twin, but even then you're born one at a time and you die alone. Yeah. Like a lot of the insights that I've received and my, my pastors and my teachers have received have been alone. You know what I mean? So anyway, the reason why I wanted to stop at that was because it's kind of, you see, you see just what God's cooking up here just a little bit. Now we get to one of the most infamous stories within Exodus. And it's the story of Moses and the burning bush. Have you heard of the burning bush? Absolutely. You have? Isn't it the one that talks to him or some shit? Yes. Yeah, okay. Very good, Catholic boy. I went to Catholic school. There for a we long go. Time, okay? Very good. So I want to. The burning bush is so special that before I start finessing and putting a Brianda interpretation spin on it, I just straight up want to read the word. Let's go to scripture. Let's go. Scripture, Exodus chapter three, verses one to four. Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, Zipporah's father, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw this, he had gone over to look. God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And it's so funny because during this part, uh, uh, God tells him through the bush, right? Take your sandals off. Take your shoes off. This is holy land. Take your shoes off. That kind of is representative of you're right now in my space. And when you come to me, you come correct. Mm. Again, further instilling that reverence. Like there's something that happens when a Christian prays or listens to worship music sometimes. And when you feel the Holy Spirit working through you, sometimes you just like, it's like an emotional impulse to just go like this, like bow your head down and like, like have you seen people that image that happening? Yeah. For non-believers, I remember, dude, hi, Tangi. when I would go to church as an atheist and I would see people do that, like, be like, what a beautiful name it is. Like, and they'd sing, like, I'd be like, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> what is going on? They can't all be experiencing this. Mm. Guess what? Yes. 
It's re very much real. And when you're doing this, when you're raising your hands up and putting your head down and stuff, the reason why we're doing it is because we feel God's presence and it feels like, oh my gosh, we're not worthy. And remove the words, non-believers. I just said not worthy. Take the word, the definition of the word worthy off. It's just an, an indicator, an identifier for what we're experiencing because we feel so small in comparison to something so big, our creator, right? You want to show up correct. You want to make sure your nails are done. You want to make sure your room is clean. Like that's, that's that kind of feeling. So when he says, take your shoes off, you're in holy land. That's what that means, right? Even with lifting your hands and it almost, almost like lifting your soul and then being almost closer to the heavens. Maybe, I don't know. Listen, that could be your interpretation of yeah. it. For me, it for, for, for me, it feels like, oh, God came down to me. He did not need to do that. We need him. You know what I'm saying? It's not the other way around. We need him. So the, when I when I see myself like doing that, like by impulse, right, at church or something, I literally feel like, oh my gosh, he's come down. Like, oh, all you want to do is like be, be, want, be closer even. So I think that maybe a little bit of what you just said. Yeah. Um, I want to dissect a little bit or I want to dive into what the Lord tells Moses, right? Let's jump to scripture. Uh, same chapter verses seven to 10. The Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the holy land. Let's start, jump to uh, verse nine. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. Ding, 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 ding. We've gotten to what the Lord has requested Moses to do. He is being commanded to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and to the Holy Land. That's where he's asking him. God is saying, yo, in a real way, you never, listen, Moses, hi, Tangi, again, Moses is a prophet. And with any other prophet, with prophet Isaiah, with all these other prophets, it doesn't matter. God does not communicate to them in this direct way. Mm -hmm. He's literally being so clear here. Normally, God speaks to these prophets in visions and dreams in like, you know, in like metaphors and stuff. For the first time, we're, he's being so clear to Moses. And could you imagine how Moses could have been being like, hold on, hold on. Wait, what? what? First of all, a burning bush is talking to me and he knows this is God. And not only is he still probably like fangirling over this, like what? He's probably like, wait, you want me? To save who? I literally just left my family in Egypt. I have nothing. Like, I'm so confused. Oh, gosh. That, that like, reminds me of every time I come to do an episode of this podcast and I'm not feeling, like, confident in whatever I'm saying and I'm, I'm not. And, like, and then I have not only Wheezy. It's honestly much bigger than Wheezy. But, like, God being like, no, show up. Sit on the couch. Talk on the mic and get to work. It kind of, like, for me, it, like, Adrenaline reminds rush. me. Uh, nerves. Insecurity. Why, I don't, uh, why insecurity? I'll tell you. It's insecurity because whenever uh, uh, I don't believe in myself in that moment. I feel a lack of confidence. 
That's what it is. What Moses is experiencing there, whether it comes from arrogance or whether it comes from insecurity, the text doesn't expand, but it's open to your interpretation. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because the second he hears that, the first thing that Moses does is come up with excuses. Excuses like, oh, Lord, you must not mean me. What? No, 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 there's no way. Which is which makes this interaction so special. It's like, what? You're bargaining and negotiating with God? Remember with Abraham, when he would do the covenant with Abraham, Abraham put his head down and got to work. Right? right? The father of faith, Abraham. Not this guy, not Moses. So one of the first rounds of excuses is found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. He says, I don't have the ability. Moses had the ability of God inside of him. What is he talking about? The second excuse was, I don't know what to say. I don't know what you want me to say, God. Moses said to God, Exodus 3, verse 13 to 14, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now that sounds trippy, right? It does. Gosh, I feel like I'm on mushrooms right now. <laughs> but like, this is in ancient times, right? This is an ancient name for God. That means a ton of different things. I am. But in this case, I am mainly is and mainly means I have always been what I will always be. No one created God. He has always existed and always will. Ooh. All creation depends on him, not the other way around. Anywho, the third excuse was, I don't have any authority or a position, Father. Number four excuse that Moses is giving God at the burning bush. I am not a good speaker. Same. You're a great speaker. It's a self-doubt. Ah, self-deprecation. See? Look at a little bit of Moses in you. Listen. <laughs> and number five is found at uh, chapter four, uh, verse 13. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> like Moses legit says, please send someone else. And God assures Moses that no matter what setbacks arises, what God is telling him is going to come to pass. What God promises you is going to come to pass, whether you like it or not. And guess what? A, a little, uh, that fire that doesn't burn through the actual bush is ind indicative, indicative of that. If, oh, if Wheezy was here, she would have made a dick joke. I know. Sorry. <laughs> but anyways, you know, fire does not burn through God's promises. It can burn through the flesh. Mm -hmm. of man, mm -hmm. you know, that's why he couldn't get that close to the burning bush. Cause Moses would have been toe up, but it does not burn through God. You know, the promises that God makes with us is impermeable, impenetrable. I know that's right. Anywho. Oh, wow. What? We're almost done. I feel like you're a little surprised about how will you go through in I time? I am. I know, but again... You don't suck at this. No, I know. Oh, but I guess this is a little bit of Moses in me. Like, yeah. when I read that part about Moses being like, 
it's got to be someone else. I feel that. It literally, I feel like that. I feel that almost, I hit, I hit that note in myself almost every day, but it's almost like a drive personally. It's just like, maybe there are people that could be better than me, but I mean, here I am though. Mm. Just like, just like how he had a calling. I have a calling and sometimes there's greater, uh, reasons than just myself, which is almost for Moses. It's like, there's, it's not just, it's not about you. I mean, it is about you, but it's not just about you. Mm, no, but it's no, about no. the people. Like, look at the people who ask you questions. They know you're not uh, Pastor Brianna or Dr. Brianna yet, but, you know, they come to you specifically for yeah. help. Yo, you want to know something? I haven't even made it yet. Yet. At all. Like, I'm not I'm Hold in on the to that. Hold on to that last <laughs> one. <though>. Yet. <laughs> you're going to cut this. You're going to clip this or something. But, like, the even now, even now, and it doesn't matter what level you are, wherever of your success or your your story, like the imposter syndrome sucks. Like feeling oh, yeah. like, oh, people are gonna find out that I'm actually not who I say I am, and then they're gonna find out I'm a fraud and I'm not who I say I am. Like I'm not who God says I am. Like that when that when those voices come in, I'm like, oh, that's the enemy. What part is the oh, part that you're saying that you're not? I'm confused here. Again, it's just insecurity. You mean and, the Brianna and, and who asked what? me to print out her actual <laughs> script that she really goes through and it took some time and then she told me that she needed something to be printed and then she's like, hold on one second, I'm still adjusting things and I really want to take care of something so that you guys get quality content, Brianna? Is that yes, what we're talking about? Because yes, it's me regardless. That's what I'm saying. But even like Moses, it's God. No, God is already, so like I said, God is omniscient. God has already seen What's happened? So could you imagine when we doubt him, how like what a slap in the face sometimes it may look like? Yeah, like, I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. So the when I do it, it really just comes from a place of, oh, actually, let me say it. Huh. Oh, my gosh. I just got an insight. Like in those moments, I am the furthest away from God. Typically, I'm probably slacking on my prayer. I'm not going to I'm not going to hold you. I think that's the truth. It's OK. I slack on my prayer, too. Yeah, no, we know. <laughs> but no, also like. It's a moment where I think I can do God's work for him. Ha, imagine the arrogance of that. And I'm going to trip up every time because there's no way I can compete. Are you going to super trip up? <laughs> super trip talk. Look, she does. She does. So Weezy does sex jokes. I do corny jokes. Oh, okay. This You're like, a, do dad jokes. Yeah, there you go. Um, and also this is our first time together, you know, I'm sure because... You're going to, this isn't your first time. You're going to come back in other episodes too, because Wheezy's obviously busy and can't be here for every single one. Though she wants to be. Though she wants to be. It's just not uh, realistic for right now. But if it's going to be anyway, I'm happy that it's you. You know what I'm saying? Like Aww. you're a podcaster too, and I respect it. Um, but yeah, let's dive back into Moses. The challenge in our own lives is to recognize our own burning bush. When a sign appears, we must have the patience and faith to embrace it, understand it, and be inspired by it. Such signs have the potential of liberating us, liberating us from, you know, our insecurities, what we just talked about, you know, imposter syndrome, all those limitations. Think about that as the bondage in Egypt. Ha ha. Metaphors. Moral of the story is... God is patient. Yeah, I'm talking to you. God is patient with you. He understands what you're going through right now. And he knows that there are obstacles and challenges in your way. 
But instead of thinking about it happening to you, what if it's happening for you? And that sounds so corny, but this is exactly what I mean by God is patient with you. Like God was so patient with Moses. Even though, even though God knew his future plans for Moses and knew what role he commanded of Moses, he understood that he could not just have picked up Moses from Egypt and been like, all right, brother, save the Israelites and bring them to the promised land. No. Instead, there was a derail, a detour that occurred. And it's intentional. Moses needed to flee from Egypt and spend all that time alone and find his wife at 40 and, and go to Midian, right? And, 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 and be a shepherd and be in long suspended times of isolation and meditation. That was a preparation for God. Moses needed that preparation. Moses needed to be changed in order to become the leader that God destined him to be. And that's when life's deepest truths are revealed to you. And it won't always be comfortable. You know, God's truths aren't going to be comfortable a lot of the time, but that doesn't make them any less true. It's our responsibility and our responsibility alone to seek out the truth about ourselves and live according to that truth, to stop making excuses for ourselves, to stop making excuses for ourselves. I mean, why do we do that? I think it's, it's, it's just a slight bit of overconfidence or maybe we're just kind of compensating for the fact that we can't do something. Yeah. Or you're just more comfortable being weak yeah. or live or like, and not saying that you are weak, but in that moment you feel a certain kind of way and it's comfortable for you. And so you want to stay there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, if anything, this part of Moses's story is a call to action from God. Like, Hey, by the way, burning bush moment, it's time to show up. And at some point you're going to have to make a choice. Typically it looks like accountability, Right. And that's why seeking God out in times of deep need and necessity is so common. But we should be seeking God both in hardship and prosperity. Aw. He wants to be a part of the celebration too. You know what I'm saying? That's why we should be glorifying him. Oh, I, I sound so corny. And like, I bet you I'm so annoying to non-believers. But my believers know what's up. Like when we glorify him, that's like celebrating with him. Right. Foreseeing the next episode. A la the Passover, but you're going to have to wait to the next episode to learn more about the Passover. And if I could summarize this in one sentence, what may look like a wrench in the plans for you may be a part of the plan for him. Hey, Father. I love you, too. He loves you, too. Oh, gosh, the story of Moses is so important. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, Father, I did not escape prison. Yeah. Okay. I'll do better next time. See you next week. 